0: Let's take a deep dive into the trenches of the Senior Bowl with our guy, Parker Blake, who is there in person and is ready to offer his insight. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're keeping things focused on the Senior Bowl for the fourth straight day. The Senior Bowl, a big event of course in the off season. Usually we're talking about Bengals football, at least the last couple of years around this time of year. But this year we get to talk about the Senior Bowl and Parker Blake was down in Mobile. We're going to take a deep dive into the trenches today in an episode brought to you by Fix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Check it out at prizepickscom slash NFL. Use promo code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. I'm your host, Jake Blisco. He's your host, James Rapine. Like I said, joined today by Parker Blake, who is ready to talk trench guys, trench play in Mobile, Alabama. Parker, this is your first trip to the Senior Bowl?
1: Yeah, it sure was, man. I've been wanting to go for a long time, but it just worked out that I was able to. Now i got to find a way to get back next year, but it was a blast.
2: Yeah, let's discuss that aspect a little bit. Did it live up to the hype for you? I'm sure there was a lot of anticipation. I've never been to the Senior Bowl, been to the Combine a bunch, heck, made it to the Super Bowl before the Senior Bowl. So what's it like down there?
1: Yeah, no, it was funny because I, I was spent, Like, I feel like my main mission it even extended through like day two. But I was like, I have to find someone else that's their first year. Cause everyone I talked to you like, Oh, I've been coming for 15 years, 20 years. I can't remember how long I've been coming. And I was like, man, like am I the only newbie down here? But like, it was funny because everyone kept telling me it wasn't like, Oh, the prospects this year are better. Oh, you got a great year to come down. I was like, man, what a year to be your first year. This is the best weather we've had in like decades. And it was, we were all laughing because on day two, in day three was bad, but everybody was just sunburned because no one expected, you know, to get sunburned in January, especially even down in Alabama. So um, but I, mean, I had a blast. It lived up to my expectations. I had a great time watching. I met a lot of great people. Um, and I, I got the film last year from the senior bowl. But being there, and being in person, being able to focus on what I wanted to focus on, even some of the interactions with coaches, they don't really get to see. That really was just what I was there for. And I'm glad I got, you know, the most out of that.
0: What's the difference for you seeing the guys in person, seeing the one-on-ones in person with offensive line, defensive line, the team drills in person versus the the film perspective for you and your experience last week?
1: Yeah, so I feel like when you're watching the film, people just assume that, you know, you get the all 22 angles, you get the close angles, but you don't really get a good sense of like actual game speed on film. I know that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but like seeing these guys move – how smooth they move and the minutia and what they're doing can kind of get covered up on film with just a couple angles that you get. So honestly getting that side angle, especially the one-on-ones and I, as the days went on, I got a, I got a little higher up in the stand so I could get even a better bird's eye view, but watching hands a little bit better, watching how smooth they're moving and just kind of like the, the mentality some of these guys took into it. I talked a lot about how I felt all week, the national team really lacked energy on both sides of the ball. There, there wasn't a lot of energy and you want to, especially with the D-line, you want to see some of these guys, you know, really be passionate about what they're doing. And I know that sounds dumb because they're going to the NFL. They're that level of prospect. But you want them to be passionate about what they're doing and get excited or be frustrated. And that's where there was a lot of talk about, you know, Justin – Um, oh, what was his last name? Ah, the LSU defensive tackle who ripped <laughs> off Christian Haynes' helmet. Um, yep. And everyone was like, oh, that's a big red flag for scouts. But honestly, that group was – like in a slump for two days straight. And they actually had to come together in in the middle of one-on-ones. They brought everybody together, and they talked for a good, like, 10, 15 minutes. And then they reset and got back at it, and they came out with a lot more tenacity and energy. Jordan Jefferson. Jordan Jefferson. I knew I was way off with that one. It didn't even sound right. Close um, to
2: Justin Jefferson.
1: And just I, I remembered that. and That's why I went for Justin. But anyway. But yeah, I think the energy is the big thing that you don't really get. I don't think it's a technique thing as much. It's just really feeling how the guys play, and that's that's what I like focusing on.
2: Is there one guy that you were really super low on or, or not as high on as consensus, and then you got there and you saw him in person and heck, maybe you talked to him or you saw him just moving around and then practice where you were like, oh, now I get it because I do think. That that's the benefit you get from going and, and seeing them in person. And certainly that's something I, I think the NFL Combine is for too, is for these scouts and evaluators just to see and interact with the prospects and, and what a difference it can make for some of those fringe guys that, that might have decent film, but some scouts might be lower on that consensus.
1: So Patrick Paul was a guy that a lot of people were really high on, including myself. I, I wasn't low on him per se. But his his profile was so like either really, really top end or really, really low end because I thought on film he really struggled athletically. He really he has all that length. And so what he would do is he'd reach outside of his frame and was really grabby. I'm like, this is going to be a penalty magnet in the league. And so I came down with a ton of questions. I actually tried talking to him a bunch um, and I really focused on him during a lot of his reps. The first guy I watched in film was Patrick Paul. I just really wanted to figure out what he was as a prospect throughout this whole process. He was one of my main guys. And I think he did a lot for me to really solidify, you know, his profile and kind of get me there with him. And where did you land? Where were you before? Where were you after? And and what were the
0: things that changed your perspective on on where he should be evaluated?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I had him as a top top ten guy, obviously. He had he has the size. At he had, tackle, not not yeah, overall. At, at, yeah, yeah, at tackle, okay. sorry um yeah not o- not overall um I still had him as like a top 25 guy first round guy easy just because of the size of the pedigree um but I just yeah his athleticism worried me and like I said his technique and so watching him play I actually I think I can see him now as a top five guy I think I currently have him as a top five tackle in my rankings and I, I'd say he's a top 15 prospect in my eyes I don't know if a lot of people are going to see him that way but just From talking to him and listening to what he's been focusing on, I think he's very self-aware about his flaws and his strengths. And I think Duke, the guy, um, many weather who he's training with, um, is allowing him, like helping him see those flaws and see those issues. And I really think he's focused on improving. I I don't know. It sounds weird. Again, it sounds weird. All these guys should be. But I think he's really locked in, and that really helped me get there with him.
2: You think that the Bengals should target him? At eighteen, potentially, obviously, we don't know who's there, but you would list him as. And let's be honest here, our listeners, me and Jake, we're all, and we've heard of Patrick Paul, but a lot of our listeners are getting to know these guys. You think that's someone that they should at least highlight or put a star next to as a potential candidate for that eighteenth, eighteenth pick?
1: Yeah. So he he played left tackle at Houston, um, and I've I've talked about when you're. I mean, I think we all had this discourse last year, but when you're transitioning from left to right tackle. I've always said it's a lot easier to project a higher, like a better athletic profile to switch. And I still don't think he's there athletically. We'll see how he tests, but just watching him move around and even talking to him, people ask him like, Oh, are you working both? Are you anticipating trying to just make it like land somewhere at both? And he seems very adamant that he's a lot more comfortable staying at left. I think the, the best answer I heard was, you know, I'm more than happy to play right tackle, but it's definitely going to take me a lot longer to get there. And so I don't think the Bengals will target him purely for that reason. Cause and I don't I think it's a good idea. I don't think he'd transition well to the right. I think he is a left tackle. I mean, I'd love to have him in behind Orlando Brown. That's a guy that, that could definitely help him figure it out in the league. But I just he'd be he'd be a bench rider, in my opinion.
2: Real quick, just a, a fun fact about him. He's Chris Paul's younger brother, but not that Chris Paul, ladies and gentlemen. The the Chris Paul that was a seventh round pick for the Washington Commanders a few years ago. So just For those wondering, it is Chris Paul's younger brother, but not the Chris Paul that's an NBA star and going to be a Hall of Famer one day.
1: And just to add on to that, someone actually asked him about that on the field after a practice. They're like, oh, you know, you asked him, I'm trying to remember how they phrased the question, but it was like super vague. And like everyone around like started looking around at each other and was like, oh, like Chris, like that Chris Paul. And so we ended up Googling it on the field and we're like, oh, like, I don't know why they got us all excited over that that was a yeah. little little fun fact there i love that there's some higher profile
0: guys more well known names anyway i did not expect us to be starting with patrick paul but some guys that the bengals will be considering that we can talk about highlighted by a guy that i know you've got some some feelings about P- parker and tyler guyton we'll get to some of those names coming up next
2: today's show is brought to you by nissan are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further if you're like me You certainly are. Well, if you ever wondered what adventure could be around the next corner, our friends at Nissan have the perfect lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. And the 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect. It's a midsize crossover, perfect for your next adventure. And you're not going to have to worry about connecting to your phone. No, they have Google Assistant, Google Maps, Google Play, all built in to your Nissan Rogue along with a 12 Point three inch touchscreen. They also have the Nissan Pathfinder with room up to eight. This is the one that I have my eye on. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a 4x4 four four capability as well, 284 horsepower, 6,000 pounds of towing. Yeah, this is up my alley. So whether you're interested in the Pathfinder, the Armada, which is a full-size SUV that also sits up to eight, or a Nissan Rogue, Nissan has something for you. Take the Nissan Rogue, Pathfinder, or Armada and go for your next big adventure shop nissanusa.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Schultz Jewelers. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. It is quickly approaching. It's next week. So you know what you need to do? You need to get the Schultz Jewelers right now because they have exactly what you're looking for. Maybe you don't even know what you're looking for. Well, that's the beauty of it because you're listening to this podcast. So you're probably a Bengals fan and so is Matt Schultz. So you can chop it up about the Bengals, discuss who they're going to take with the 18th pick, and he can help guide you and find the right piece of jewelry for her. Maybe you're thinking of popping the question, or maybe you're looking for earrings or bracelet or a custom piece that you want to have specifically made. Well, they can do all of those things at Schultz Jewelers. That's really what sets them apart. It's a relaxed environment, and they have every option available that you can imagine from unique custom designs, top-rated permanent jewelry, and Lab grown diamonds. So it's not going to kill your wallet, which let's be honest, we want to find the right value. They're going to have that and the right quality at Schultz Jewelers. Check them out at 2202 Dixie Highway in Fort Mitchell, just five minutes from the bridge into Kentucky. Also, make sure you check them out at SchultzDiamonds.com. The Bengals strive for perfection. Schultz Jewelers does too, because when it has to be perfect, it has to be Schultz Jewelers.
0: Parker, Tyler Guyton is a guy that we've talked about on Twitter in the last few days or, or when you were coming back from the Senior Bowl anyway. Jackson Powers Johnson, a guy that really made a name for himself in Mobile, and Tavondre Sweat, a guy that captured the imagination of both James and myself and a guy that we've talked about on this show this week as well. But let's start with or, or stay on the offensive tackle side of things. Tyler Guyton and Taliesse Fuwaga, the biggest name, I would say, tackles, in mobile how did you come away with those two guys in terms of where you had them before where you had them after and and what moved those evaluations if anything or confirmed what you thought about those players
1: yeah so i'll start with uh Talisa fuwaga out of oregon state he played right tackle i'm just trying to help people get familiar that aren't um but uh he's a guy that i just i came in really i wasn't not that I wasn't interested in watching him, but I really just came in to see him on day one and be like, Oh, is this the guy that I think he is? And he's every bit of what everyone talks about him, where he's, he's physical, he's aggressive, he's athletic. Uh, I do think he's got a little, he need, he has length issues. He looks a little shorter limbed. I know his arms came in a little low. His legs seem to be short. He doesn't really have that length in his set, uh, but his athleticism helps make up for a lot of things. And his aggression helps finish stuff that, a lot of other guys just don't really have the energy or athletic capability to do. And So I think he was, through the first couple of days, one of the guys getting guys on the ground the most and just really embodied everything that I thought he was as a prospect, just just the mauler, man, and he's just fun to watch.
2: So is he someone you run to the podium to, casual jog, stroll?
1: Yeah, I, I think it really comes down for me at 18. If Newton's there, you go Newton, you know, Jerzon Newton. But if Jerzon Newton's not there, it's Talisa walk. He's the guy. So it's that he, he
2: would be your realistic number one tackle. Just yeah. put it that, that for the, way.
0: for the,
1: That's for how the Bengals you know. board. Yeah. He'd be my guy. The
0: gotcha. number one tackle on the Bengals board. Another guy I think that would be perhaps in that conversation. I don't know. We, we talked a little bit about the Marius Mims, Tyler Guyton topic, but Tyler Guyton was a guy at the senior bowl also played right. Tackle at Oklahoma was a transfer, a little bit of a late bloomer, a little bit older, working with Paul Alexander. We talked about uh, Patrick Paul working with Duke Manyweather, also working with Orlando Brown, or has a relationship at least with Orlando Brown, former Oklahoma tackle as well. Where does Tyler Guyton stack up compared to Fuaga and, and how are they different prospects?
1: Yeah, so Guyton is like the exact opposite from a physical profile where he, he's tall and long and just has has like the prototypical – NFL tackle size, right? And that's where you get a lot of these guys that are like, oh, well, you can't – I can't coach size, so I might as well take a swing on the guy that has at least the measurables and we can work on the technique. And uh, Guyton was a guy that I really hoped would show me that he improved um, – I mean, obviously not drastically from the season ended just a few, couple months ago to now, but can show some improvement. A lot of these guys showed some significant improvement technically and you can tell that they've obviously been working really hard to really clean up their profile coming into the process. And he just kind of seemed like the same player to me. And I, like I said, I'm really high on him just because of the size paired with his athletic profile. I think he's going to be a really good tester and he moves really well. He's a strong guy. He's a competitor. He was one of the few guys getting like amped up after every single rep he took. I know it took him, I think a full day. Oh, it might've, might've only been half a session, but it took him a longer than he wanted to get a rep against Chris Braswell, um, who was an edge out of Alabama, because he knew he was one of the top prospects in his, you know, his team that he was able to face off against. And he was looking forward to that matchup for a long time when he finally got it, you know, he got down in there, gave him the little, the little, the little high five before the rep. And then, you know, handshake after tap on the head. And he's just, yeah, he's a big competitor. And I love that drive out of guys. And just from a technical perspective, he's got really active feet, really quick feet for a guy at his size. His hands are the biggest question for me. And unfortunately, throughout the senior bowl, I did not did not fix that issue. I didn't I didn't come out of the senior bowl like, oh, wow, he really has improved hands. It's kind of like, yeah, is this like an issue we're just going to have to deal with? Is that something that can be cleaned up in an offseason or two? Like, in, like you talked about being a late bloomer. I know that's a really big concern for some people. I don't really worry about that as much um, with these guys being able to have, you know, 10 plus year careers if they can hit that level. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. I'm interested to see how he tests. He's a big guy. If he tests well, then I'm I'm feeling confident. to Take the swing. I'd probably put him at two or three, uh, at the second or third offensive tackle for the Bengals specifically, in my opinion.
2: How do how do you think he would fit alongside th- this offensive line? Orlando Brown Jr. obviously on the other side, former Oklahoma tackle, like Jake mentioned. But one thing everyone has, has seemed to mention is. The fact that the Bengals haven't used many premium picks on offensive linemen in the athleticism aspect. So the, does the testing, does it come down to the testing for you for Guyton right? as far as him being in contention for the 18th pick and him testing as well as you think?
1: I really think it's going to come, I mean, it's obviously going to be a couple factors, but the testing is so big for him because if he can test well, like a top level tester in the class at that size, I just think that's something that you have to, it's almost worth the risk in my opinion, especially in a year where they can I've talked about using this to kind of build build on the draft position. How often you're gonna be picking at 18, how often do you really invest capital, draft capital into this position? Go get a long-term guy that you feel confident that you can work with. But I as far as fit goes, I just man, I I'd like to say He's going to fit really well with the group. I mean, you got Alex Kappa, who was next to Tristan Wirfs for at least, a, I don't remember how long that relationship actually lasted, but a couple of seasons at least. Um, so he's used to working next to a more athletic guy. And I said for a while now that the Bengals need a guy in the room that can be that enforcer, that can be that aggressive play style type of guy. And bringing Guyton in, I think he is that guy and could be that guy, and that'd be a huge boost to the room in my opinion. So that's where – I think he'd bring a lot to the room that they're missing, and that's where I really like that pick. Him and Fuwaga bring both of those things. That's why I really like both of those guys for the Bengals.
0: We'll make sure we wrap up any other tackles that Parker wants to mention. We'll also get to Jackson Powers Johnson. We'll get to the defensive trenches, and we have Parker an opportunity to stand on the table for some of his guys to finish up the show coming up next.
2: Today's show is brought to you by Robinhood. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is boosting every single dollar you transfer from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And Now for some legal info. Claim as of quarter one, 2024, validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood gold for one year from the date of the 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker
0: dealer. Parker, before we talk JPJ, before we talk defensive line and and Tavondre Sweat, any other tackles that really stood out to you that you want to talk about as, as potential Bengals targets after what you saw from them at the Senior Bowl? One of the guys that I've seen a lot of people talking about, Jordan Morgan, a left tackle, came back from an ACL injury, played really well. After an ACL injury, some people would say better was at the senior bowl as well. But are there any other tackles that you want to dive into and, and give some thoughts on for a Bengals fit before we talk about some of these other guys?
1: Um I don't know. I got a guy I'm saving for the end that I might I might just save for the end for now. Okay. We'll let you stand on the table for him
0: in a moment. Jackson Powers Johnson. Any any thoughts there? He obviously had a standout week, was one of the guys seen as a big winner pretty unanimously. By those covering the senior bowl, obviously, though, you have a positional value difference and a scarcity difference at interior offensive line versus tackle. And you could talk about Christian Haynes potentially as a a later round target on the interior if the Bengals were so inclined. But positional versatility there potentially with JPJ, did he really make a mark for himself, for you? Did he change and and elevate his profile in your eyes?
1: You know, I I heard a lot of people talking about how he he really you know, propelled himself into the first round conversation. I still see him as a solid second rounder, and that's not really a knock on what he did, but just more speaking to the talent pool of this draft. I just don't know if the value is there outside of positional need for Jackson Powers Johnson. I really liked what he did. I thought he looked very strong. He's a guy where, with his again, with his size, which is really good for the position, and what he's able to do with his hands, I'm really excited for what he can do. Again, multi-multi-positional. He's, he's got he checks all the boxes, right? And the one thing that I thought was missing on his film was athleticism. I want to see him move well. I know there's a lot of people that talk about how he well he moved down down the field, um, and I don't know if it's an Oregon offense thing or a, a him a his play style type thing. I didn't really see a lot of athleticism in his game down at the Senior Bowl. So I'm really interested to see how he tests again if he tests well that'll be the final box for me and I'll, I'll be there with him. But that's the one thing holding me back on him with being at his size. I'd like to see him move a little better to be like that top tier prospect that people are talking about, but I really like his game. I think he's a fun player to watch Has a great personality. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm not there with him athletically, but I really like what he does in every other aspect of the game. Love him as a prospect. I just, he won't be my center one, but probably going to be my center two by the end of the process.
2: Yeah. They're, there are, to me, outside of right tackle, there's still a need, and this is probably a need that should be filled in the draft for sure because you're not sure exactly. if it, yeah, like Jackson Powers Johnson might start for the Bengals at left guard if they drafted him 18th overall. But if you take a center guard combo on day two, day three, early day three, that guy's probably not starting as a rookie. Are there any guys like that? That, that you like, because I, I think that is a need. And that's something that they need to address. And ideally it would be someone that could play center and guard and back up all three spots if, if possible.
1: Yeah. I've, I've been a huge fan of Christian Haynes since I turned on the film. And I know a lot of people are going to be turned off by him just because of the measurables, but he plays outside of those constraints really well. He moves really well. And this week, and again, he was a guy I was super worried about his play strength because he showed it on film. But the games that I have access to right now, just it wasn't the best competition. Mm. Um, So I was like, oh, if I come into this week and come out of this week, seeing him really like throw in that anchor, be able to stand some of these guys up and be a people mover in the run game. I'm going to be really excited about this kid. He did all of those things throughout the week. And he's just he's a mauler. He's super aggressive. He's actually training with Tyler Guyton. Um. So take that for what you will, but I just I I love that kid, and he just is a hard worker, and plays plays a lot bigger than he looks, and just has that play style that I that I love. And so he's a guy that checks all the boxes for me, and he's going to be a later round pick. I think he'll slide because of his measurables. Um. And outside of him, I'm trying to think of guys. I mean, Zach Frazier's a guy that. Probably would have been a top guy for me in this class without the injury. Uh, but he's he's already ready to go. He was padded up on day one. I didn't see him do much of anything throughout the Senior Bowl. Um, but it sounds like he's going to be a full participant at the Combine. Uh, he's just, he was a center out of West Virginia. And he's he's a guy that I see as a multi-positional guy as well, um, where I just I love his game. I love what he can do. Another guy that checks all the boxes for me. Should end up being probably a late, third rounder if not early day three type guy just because of the profile and if he's really able to come back from that injury this fast but yeah he's a guy that I want to buy a lot of stock in
0: before we let you stand on the table let's shift gears talk defensive line really quick to went obviously the big standout to me but as you were watching the defensive line I'm curious to get your take we were just talking to Mike Renner about the trenches as well he mentioned that Christian Hayes. he thinks, is long-levered despite his short height, which he thinks is is potentially an upside for him at guard, which is interesting. We'll see how he measures and, and how he tests and everything. But on the defensive side of the ball, Mike Runner was a little disappointed for the most part outside of sweat. What were your takeaways when you were watching the defensive line class and did anyone stand out to you in a big way as a potential Bengals target?
1: Yeah, they're, so the most interesting guy for me had to have been Brandon Dorless out of Oregon. I think he played a lot of edge out there, but he really mostly played inside at the senior bowl and he was very dominant Um, in, in the one-on-one periods. However, we got the team and it was like, you know, he'd be very hit and miss my favorite guy out of the entire D line group. And it sounds like this is pretty, you know, consensus, but Brandon, Braden Fisk, Braden, I call him Brandon all week. Braden Fisk out of Florida state. Is an absolute monster he seemed unblockable at times it, people just couldn't handle it man and he was just fun to watch sounds like from what i talk everyone i talked to he was a great interview again another high high character guy people just loved hanging out with him um, he interacted with fans every time he got the opportunity to just a great guy great demeanor but just a monster on the field and th- those are just guys you love to see and i am excited to see what he's able to do at the next level but he's probably my Defensive line winner of the week um, instead of Tavondre Sweat.
2: So if if they took him day two, you'd
1: be pretty excited? I would be absolutely amped if they took him day two.
0: The yeah. one thing I'll call out about Fisk, of course, fifth-year senior was a transfer, and and that's Aegis always...
2: Jake. Aegis it, Jake. It's that time of year. He hates
0: these old guys, man. <laughs> I don't. I don't in a vacuum, but it's a factor that you have to consider – when sure. comparing a guy that maybe is a junior playing against the same level of competition compared to a guy that's two years older, it's no just in, in that time frame of life. Think about your life between ages eighteen and twenty-three, and how much physical development occurs in that period of life. And that that's also true for these guys in in college football. But Parker, we said we were going to let you stand on the table. You can have a couple of guys. You've I think Fisk is one of your guys. That that was a little bit of standing on the table, but. Not not necessarily as passionate as you might get about this other guy. I don't know who it is. Go ahead. Get up on that table.
1: Yeah, no. A guy that I thought was a huge riser this week that I, I, I'd i seen some people talk about, but just that I really loved his game and needed to see him tune some things up this week, and he did, was Kingsley Suamatea out of BYU. Um, he played both tackles a lot all week and played both at a very high level, especially towards the end of the week. Um, he showed an impressive anchor, and he's he's a crazy athlete, man. And so my biggest concern coming in was he just played really out of control and really leaned on that athleticism on film. And even earlier, like, his day one wasn't great, um, but his day two and three were, were spectacular. And he explodes off the ball. Just getting to the second level, he just is, is easy for him. He handles linebackers like it's nothing. And I just really came into the week needing to see him like, hey, let's settle in. Pass protection wise, don't just worry about being athletic and mirroring guys. Really get hands on, be powerful, set that anchor, really just own some guys in pass protection. He did that through day two and three, was getting guys on the ground, was really just – he had very tight hands, wasn't as wild and crazy as I had seen him on film, played a lot more under control even at the second level, is a people mover in the run game. I just think he does everything well, and I, I saw him come up on a lot of people's boards throughout the week. And he's really impressed. I don't. I still don't think he's going to be in the first round conversation because he's still very raw as a prospect. But if you can get him into a building and really tune him up, I think he can really be a monster at the next level.
2: Play so black. Kingsley Sumatea, round two. Brock Bowers, round one. You're a big Brock Bowers guy. You, you go uh, with um, oh, what's? Sorry, already, I'm already losing his name. Hold on, hold on, hold on here. This? Christian Haynes, oh, round God. four. I'm just I'm just trying to find your guys, Parker.
1: Yeah, I mean Brock Bowers is definitely not my first round pick, but you're more than welcome to keep telling people that, so I can look like a genius when he uh, me, when he goes that early.
2: Me, me and Parker have been texting about Brock Bowers for a while. He's anti Brock. I'm all in.
1: But if these guys, if the Bengals could end up with Sue Mateo, and Haynes, like that would just it would obviously increase the athleticism in the room, you know, a hundredfold. It feels like at times. But those are just—I don't know, man. Those are guys with really high ceilings. That if you can—if you can maximize that, then you're going to have some real studs in this group. And that's what the Bengals have to figure out with the floor-ceiling
0: conversation: what kind of players they want to take. If they're guys that maybe need development time, or how ready they are to hit the ground running. Some fun facts on Kingsley Sua Matea: played both tackles at, at uh, BYU, played left and right tackle, was uh, apparently a five-star recruit, but. Uh, a cousin to the Sewells, Pene Sewell's cousin, and was a high school teammate of Puka Nakua, which I thought was was interesting as well. Some good NFL connections there for Kingsley, Sue, Matea. And if he's showing some improvement technically, could be a very fun prospect to talk about throughout the process. Parker, we appreciate the time and you sharing your experience down in Mobile, some of the guys that stood out to you. Excited to see your evaluations as the draft process goes on. Of course, you can find Parker on Twitter and all of his work at Parker Blake 60 You can find some of his writing over at allbengals.com as well. So make sure you check out Parker's work. Give him a follow on Twitter. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. day, And have a good one.